Hey everyone, I am Mark and I am the host and creator of the Island Travel Podcast. Welcome! I am also the author of The Internet Revolution, A Generational Story, which is a book that you can find on Amazon if you're interested to learn about people that grew up in the 80s and 90s and how internet change society. So for this episode, we talked with uh, another author. Uh, his name is Luke Edwards, and he's based uh, in Britain. Luke is a, quite an avid traveler. He wrote a book on travel. And we talk about the island of Corsica, which I've never actually been there, but I've always been fascinated by it. And uh, we have a very, very great description of Corsica and things to do and, and all that. A little bit of business on the Island Travel Podcast. Uh, I'm interested to know what people are interested in. Uh, we're getting close to about 10 episodes that I've put out so far with the Island Travel Podcast. And if there are islands or are certain stories or certain perspectives that you'd like to hear for this podcast, please let me know. Reach out. Uh, my email is islandtravelpod at gmail.com. You can also reach me on uh, social media platforms like Instagram. Uh, there's Island Travel Podcast. So reach out and let me know what uh, what works, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, and here is Luke. You wrote a book. It's called Travel Escapades. Full title is uh, Travel Escapades, Adventures and Upsets Around the World. What really, I, I think, makes that cool to me, I think, is uh, so many books are about how perfect and wonderful travel is. And this book's kind of about when things don't go well. I guess, what was the idea behind that? Yeah, similar to what you said, really. Uh, some of, or a lot of people write about sort of the good stuff, um, but not many people write about the not so good stuff. But a lot of the things which go wrong are often the most memorable uh, experiences. And yeah, I just really wanted to capture that. And I'm sure plenty of people have done a bit of traveling had similar experiences um, who can relate to some of the stories in the book. Yeah. I mean, I think eventually uh, like almost any, anytime you go on like a big travel, you, you kind of assume there's at least something not going to go so well. Some of them, I guess, were a little more just, you know, kind of funny and just inconvenient, but there was that one in Nepal, the mountain where, where that was truly a harrowing experience, right? Yeah, uh, and the sort of funny thing about that was that was one of my first travels abroad, and it was the first travels I did by myself. Um, and yeah, sort of a, a big mountaineering accident wasn't exactly planned. And I, d I don't think had I had more experience, I don't think anything would have changed. But as I recall from the book, and I don't want to spoil it too much for anyone, <laughs> but you describe it as. You, know, you kind of were on this very high mountain cliffside. I forget which mountain it was, but some of these very high mountains in the Himalayas in Nepal. And your, your guide was with you and you hit some rocks somewhere and the cliff just you had a very steep angle and you just slide down. Um, I, I'm not sure how many meters. I mean, I think it was several hundred meters. Is that right? Uh, yeah, a couple, a couple hundred feet. Um, yeah, the guide fell and then he sort of... Uh, ripped me off the mountain as well um clearly it all all ended okay because uh, i'm still here um and and okay for the guide as well so we both came out of it okay but um not the most comfortable experience at the time 
Yeah. And, and you were literally like, what, maybe 20 or 30 feet from falling off the, the bigger cliffside, right? The precipice that dropped down, right? Yeah, re- really close to the uh, this huge crevasse, which, yeah, had we gone down, um, I suspect we would have died uh, as a sheer drop hundreds of meters. So very fortunate. Um, I was definitely counting my lucky stars that day. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the <laughs> Island Travel Podcast. And so we're talking about an island in the Mediterranean called Corsica. And uh, so you visit there. What took you uh, initially to tor- Corsica? What's the story behind that? So the first time I went uh, was basically because growing up with my family, we always used to go camping in France uh, on the mainland. And Corsica was basically one of the last places uh, in France that we hadn't really explored. Um and we went one summer and sort of we enjoyed it so much. We went sort of a, a couple of years after that as well. Um, and then really the last time I went was uh, to do some trekking with my dad. Um, I don't know if you know, but there's uh, a large uh, walking route, a hiking route uh, called the GR20, um, which stands for Grand Rondonnet, uh, which translates to English basically means great trail. Um, and that runs along the mountainous spine um, all along the island. Um, so, yeah, the last one I went was to do that with my father. Great. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a French island um, right near the south of France, and there's this mountainous spine running down the middle. Um, so it's got a lot of water and kind of beach activities, but as well as mountaineering and hiking, right? And that's – you've been there a couple of times, but, I mean, after you're going there, I mean, when you arrive – what is it people are first and you know, what are they seeing? What does it feel like, you know, kind of if I were coming there for the first time, what do you think that would be like uh, for a traveler? It's really cool. Um, it's quite rocky. Um, obviously, you've got the main mountains, but um, just the general terrain is sort of rocky and arid um, predominantly. Um, it's similar to France in a lot of ways, um, but it also definitely has like its own distinct culture. Um yeah, historically, it used to be ruled by the Italians, um, and it sort of still has some quite strong ties with the Italians. And there's a local dialect which is really similar to Italian. Um, it's certainly more similar to Italian than it is French. Um, I guess it's, I'd say it was kind of similar in the way to Sicily is to Italy. Um, clearly, it's still very much part of France. Interesting. Yeah. So um, it's been French, I guess, for a couple hundred years. And Napoleon was actually born uh, in Corsica, right? Yeah, I, I remember reading that. Until you said it then, I'd forgotten. But yeah, um, yeah, big name from a relatively small place. So it's a lot of Italian, but I guess are most of the people speaking, I mean, I guess when you're there, are you speaking English with most of the people or do you, does it help to like know a little bit of French, a little bit of Italian kind of dialect to kind of get by? Because I guess some people don't speak French. They speak like this Italian or Corsican, which is like an Italian dialect, right? Yeah. So uh, obviously the main language is French and most people speak French. Some people speak English. Basically when my dad and I had finished the trekking we needed to get to the nearest train station um, and didn't have a car. There weren't any buses because it was a Sunday. Um, and we ended up hitchhiking. And uh, we ended up hitchhiking with an old couple. They're in their sort of 70s. And they didn't speak a word of English. And luckily, oh. luckily uh, me and my dad speak a little bit of 
French, but we're by no means fluent. Um, enough to get us to the train station and sort of where to go. But yeah, this whole couple didn't speak a word of English between them other than hello, um, which we were yeah extremely grateful for. And we, we offered them money to sort of pay for the fuel, but they refused, um, which was really nice. And they just sort of like kindness from complete strangers. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. That's, that's really great. Um, and uh, I guess you're doing this hiking out there. Um, is that really kind of what you'd say is, you know, for you at least, the, the main attraction, you'd say the hiking is kind of really what does it, not so much the beaches or a little bit of both? Tell me about that. Um, for, for me, the, the hiking was really cool and uh, it's con- the, the route itself is considered one of the hardest in Europe. But the, the first time I went, uh, it was predominantly just for the beaches and stuff. The water is amazingly clear. Uh, they have a huge quantity of some really good quality beaches. You can snorkel there, which I've done a couple of times, um, and scuba dive if you want. But there, you know, there are other hikes as well, which aren't quite as strenuous as the GR20. The, the island itself obviously has loads of history, as we've sort of already discussed, and sort of hilltop villages, um, sort of old towns, a couple of citadels. And, you know, the food and drink is is amazing as well. They make a lot of wine and stuff. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So there's so many options. Could, could you maybe point out maybe a beach or two or, or maybe um, a part of the island where you think would be good to start doing hiking if you're just kind of getting there for the first time and to way to kind of dip your toes into either of those activities? Basically, if you if you start in any one of the three big cities, um, sort of Ejecchio, Porto Vecchio, um, or Bastia, um, all of those are really good sort of stepping off points they will have amazing beaches all near them. Trekking, trekking, you really need a car to be able to get anywhere. Um, okay. So slightly harder, um, but beaches you, you can get to by bus or by hiring a, a bike or something. Um, and Bastia in in the north um, is one of the sort of, sort of historical centres. Um, that has an old citadel, um, which is sort of right on the pinnacle um, in the bay, sort of overlooking the sea, um, which is really impressive and definitely worth a visit. And you, you can explore all those sort of old streets and get lost and stuff, which is really, really cool. That's really amazing. I, I was looking at a few pictures of it and I saw there was um, some towers. Um, that uh, I guess, you know, Corsica got invaded uh, many, many times by um, pirates, you know, in the kind of Mediterranean. Yeah. Or from Africa. And so they built a lot of these um, towers all over for, for defense. Um, and uh, that kind of stuff kind of fascinates me. But I assume you're kind of seeing this stuff kind of dotted around the islands um, sometimes just kind of out of nowhere. Um, that's that's really great. Um, so uh, interesting. Okay, so buses are pretty good for getting around kind of the perimeter of the island, um, the beach to beach. Uh, but you really need to rent a car if you want to go inland or, or hitchhike, I guess, um, which uh, seems like it's pretty easy to get around by hitchhiking, right? You, you guys didn't have too much trouble just kind of getting around, right? Yeah, I, I think there are obviously buses between all the big towns and stuff. Um, but a lot of the roads are quite windy. They've got to navigate the sort of hill roads and stuff. 
Um, so you can, you can get, you know, everywhere on the island, pretty much on bus, but um, it won't be particularly quick. Um, and I know that there is a train on the island. Um, I don't know really what the service is like, um, but again, it basically goes through the north and predominantly sort of mountainous region. Um, so yeah, car hiring a car really is the best or the quickest way and easiest way to get around the island, and it gives you that flexibility to see what you want, include the beaches and those sort of trekking routes and stuff. Cool. Yeah, that's that's great. And um, so talking a little bit about you know the, the time to go. When is the busy tourist season, and where are you getting most of the tourists? The other second part of that question is like, well, if you're a person that maybe wants to go and maybe get away from the tourists, you know, go in the off season or maybe go to the less visited places, um, how can I do that? Uh, the, the busiest period is definitely July and August. Uh, for most of Europe, it, that's sort of the peak summer season. Um, anytime sort of outside of that, you'll you'll see half the numbers, if, if not less. Um, but... Corsica still has fairly good weather um, from perhaps April through November. Um, in the sort of winter period, um, they sometimes get snow, um, especially on, on the mountains. Um, mm. But, you know, the April, certainly through to October, um, really good weather. And you could definitely sort of see and do absolutely everything. Might not be quite as hot as uh, July and August, but you'd definitely see less crowds. Um, okay, great, great. And um, and what are I guess a couple of tips? I guess uh, you know places to eat on the island, or maybe places to stay. And uh, what what are kind of the prices like uh, for food or for lodging? Um, you know, in general, that you, you would say for for sort of a backpacker like me. Um, it's, it's quite hard because they don't really do hostels in Corsica. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, unlike pretty much the rest of Europe, but, um, there, there's only one or two on the entire island. Um, but what they do do really well are gites, so sort of small villas, um, and especially in sort of the more hilly areas. Like, yeah, kind of small homes, just a couple of rooms, is that like a guest house kind of situation where you're renting out a room in, in a house that's shared with other people or, or what? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, a couple of times, um, stayed in the guest house or the jeeps where there are other people there. Um, you can also rent out ones for, uh, just you and your friends or family in some of the more mountainous ones. Quite often they, have people serving food so it's sort of a restaurant and a, a place to stay um and they typically serve food at the same time so everyone will eat dinner at say seven o'clock um on sort of big long tables and that's a really really cool way of meeting loads of people um because oh nice yeah on these sort of big long wooden tables um so you're sort of sat next to people that you've never met before during dinner um which yeah, really really cool. And every, every dinner time, you sit next to someone else um, and make new friends and stuff. So that's really cool. And mostly tourists or travelers from all over, or is that also some local people that are coming in too for these meals? Uh, usually, 
uh, from all over, but so, some of them are local residents to Corsica as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And um, I guess just kind of give an idea, like what is the price, I guess, per night um, for one of these jeets? And uh, I guess for one of these meals at these long tables, how, how much of those typically charge um, it, either in pounds and I can convert into dollars if <laughs> that's easier. <laughs> so for sort of the, the cheaper options, it was about 20 euros for one of the sheets. Um, but I think we paid up to about 50 euros for a night um, in sort of one of the sort of more luxurious places. I think for, for what you get, it's probably worth it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what, what is the, does that include the meal as well? Or if I were to buy the meal separately just to show up, could, could I do that as well? And how much would that cost? Yeah. So, so um, you can definitely show up and just get the meal. Um, for a cheap meal, you're probably looking at 10 euros. You can go upwards from there, but um, you can, you can look around um, and you could get a little bit cheaper. Um, if you don't mind going somewhere more local, but certainly in one of the jeets, you're looking about uh, 10 euros. Wow, fantastic. Just to kind of wrap up, if you were to point to one thing that makes Corsica special to you or memorable that you'd like other people to know, what, what would that, I guess, one thing be or anything that stands out to you? Can I have two? Is that okay? <laughs> sure, you can have two. Go ahead. The, the, the people are amazing. Um, as, as I said earlier, we just got shown some amazing kindness from people we'd never met before. Um, and throughout the island, everyone was really helpful, very friendly. Um, you know, nothing was too much problem to ask. Um, so the people would be my first thing. Um, and then my second would be the beaches and sort of specifically secluded beaches. Um, mm-hmm. is it, if, if you don't mind taking a little bit of a trek, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes, you can find small secluded beaches where you're the only people there. Um, and that's, that's something really, really Im- impressive and sort of a little bit magical, really, having a sandy beach all to yourself. Oh, yeah. Wow. That, uh, yeah, I, I've done just a little bit of that in the Mediterranean, and almost every time I can find um, you know, the kind of beaches that are a little bit secluded, like mm-hmm. you're saying, I think in Montenegro and Croatia, I saw a couple like that. And um, anyways, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it can be quite, uh, nothing quite like it. Uh, well, that's really great. Um, Luke, thank you so much for coming on the show and um, really appreciate it. And uh, your book is Travel Escapades, uh, Adventures and Upsets Around the World. Thank you very much, Luke. Mark, thank you very much for having me on. It's been really cool chatting to you. Cheers. Thank you, yeah.